MPI Paranormal Radio. The truth is to be found. An internet radio show dedicated to the open discussion of different paranormal topics by military paranormal investigations. Our aspiration is to research and discover the possibilities of scientific reasons to a field of study which many do not believe to be supported by facts. Military Paranormal Investigations is not affiliated to any branch of the military. We are a science-based paranormal research organization of active duty and retired military members, dependents, and or friends located at Wichita Falls, Texas. Recorded or live, broadcasting with shoutcast on multiple websites to get the maximum reach. Now, here are your hosts, members of the MPI team. Good evening, and welcome to Military Paranormal Radio. My name is Mike. I'm Rob, and unfortunately, Jeff couldn't make it with us tonight, but we're definitely thinking about you out there, buddy. Well, first thing, as usual, what we're going to say is we're not affiliated to any branch of the military. And don't forget, we need to plug our Podbeam website. We are located at uh, Military Paranormal Investigations or just Military Paranormal. And as always, we like to give a shout-out to some of our new members that we got. We've got Dustin J. Latham. Carmazar and DJ Davies. And we just keep rising, so we must be doing something right with this thing. I hope so. I, you know, I'm, I'm still really excited about where this is headed, and hopefully we'll get some more feedback and kind of adapt our show to what our listeners want to hear, and we'll go from there. You can contact us if you need to at radio show at militaryparanormal.com. We like comments and suggestions, so just go ahead and let us know what you think about our shows. If there's a topic that you would like us to put out there, just let us know. You can also find us at www.militaryparanormal.com, and there we have our online forums that are up there. If you have any type of paranormal activity, and it'll send us a message and we can uh, maybe help you out with that. And don't forget, you can also contact us on our forum. That's back up and running again. Even though we don't have that many members on it right now, we're still trying to get that back up and going. If you got a topic that you would like to post on there, just go ahead and do that. If you sign up, don't forget that because you're new, we have to approve your posts, the first three of them. So that just kind of helps us control, you know, make sure we don't have any trolls out there that are kind of messing with this, that kind of stuff. Also, we can, uh, you know, if you're listening to this show on Podbean or something, if you've got an iDevice, you can find us on iTunes and also download them through the iTunes store. So you can do a search for Military Paranormal Investigations. It'll bring us right up there and you can download your podcast through there. And we are also located on Facebook, Military Paranormal, all one word. You can find us on Twitter at MPI underscore paranormal. And also, you can find us on our YouTube site. Just look for Military Paranormal, one word again. And if you like and subscribe to us, once we reach 100, we'll get our own URL. That way, it'll be a lot easier, easier to find us. Well, I think tonight, we're going to kind of do a continuation. Our, you know, Last week, we started out with our uh, various paranormal topics, and each of us brought a, a topic to the table just to kind of have some open discussion about it. And Well, I brought the Bermuda Triangle last time, and, and Jeff brought the sleep, sleep paralysis. So I think the Bermuda Triangle, I thought it was you know going to be something very paranormal, but upon my research and everything, I found out, and I've come to... More of a thinking that it's mostly human error yeah, I getting think, out there. I think we agreed on that. I think that it's mostly just a legend out there that kind of keeps growing with, with all of the uh, technology nowadays, too. Everybody's kind of searching around and finding this, and it just makes it a mystery. Yeah, I think so, too. So I think, like you said, we're going to continue on because we actually ran over our normal hour show, and none of us were really looking at the time. We were all kind of in tune to what we were talking about. So, yeah, I'm going to do the crystal skulls tonight, and hopefully you'll get a little uh, enjoyment out of this. But I think first, last week we played you guys an EVP. We've kind of been bringing this to our show. We played you guys an EVP that we captured, and I think we're going to play it one more time for you, and then we'll kind of talk about what happened and what we heard. And I think if you listen to it, you probably heard it. You might not know what it is, but we're going to explain that to you a little better. But uh, if you want to, you got that queued up? Of course, I got it queued up. You ready? Yes, sir. You watching that popcorn maker?
I'm not sure if you could actually tell. There really wasn't much of an EVP. It was more of a music in the background. It was a toy. Right. And when our investigator was out there, he was asking if they liked that popcorn maker. It was one of those little rolly little pop. play school. It's got like a clear top, and they push it, and the little bubbles Whoa. pop around. All right, pops around. So he was playing with that, and then he didn't hear none of this, and we didn't hear none of this because we had other investigators out there. And slowly but surely, if you listen to it closely, you can hear it gradually getting louder and louder until the very end, you could hear the music clear as day. And then something would pop out and would say something. Now, none of our investigators heard any of this. And we were listening to it on the... Matter uh, of fact, the toy was actually like in a closet or a, a, right. a storage container or something put away. But when we were playing it and listening to the recording, we had no clue what that was. No clue what it was. And we were like, okay, someone's playing a piano or something. And there was no pianos out there. So it's not so much of an EVP. It was more of a residual music that we thought it was at first. When we did the reveal and the footage and everything, the clients knew exactly what that was. Yeah, they ran down and actually got the toy and brought it to us and, and, and showed it. And we, we, they played it to us in person. Uh, I wish we would have recorded it. Yeah, when they brought it to real us. Real close. But again, we were in the room. We didn't hear it was going on there. And it's kind of odd, you know, when we think of a... A residual haunt or an intelligent haunt. We would have heard the toy going off yes, if it was intelligent. Of course. Yeah. So it's kind of odd that we're getting this toy in real time. And it's this. And it's actually, I think it was an Elmo Jack in the Box. And it would play the music, and then Elmo would jump out. And ah, I don't remember what it was he actually I, said. I can't remember out. either. But, but it's, it's kind of odd. It was a neat. It was a neat experience though. And that was in a nursery. Right. Uh, that same nursery where Jeff we talked about last time. Mm-hmm. He actually saw a rocking chair rock. And I don't know what I think about this. We had the the lights. You know, we took a flashlight and turned them where they're barely on. And, and I don't know what I think about that little technique yet, but I I think that um, that was another instance we had. We actually got a couple more EVPs and stuff. Yeah, we there. did get a couple of EVPs with that one. So, well, I think uh, it's about time for your topic. Like we said, we did mine, which was the Bermuda Triangle. We did Jeff's sleep paralysis. So, Crystal Skulls. All um, right. I'm, I'm ready to be, I guess, not so much entertained, but... Discussion. Like discussion, yes, because it's going to be a discussion because I did some research on this, and I'm looking forward to see how you come with your topic. So, Well, I, you know, and I'll tell you, I, y'all know, and you might have heard me talk about it on the show, and I, and I want to say this real quick because I've had a couple people ask me. I'm not someone that claims to be an alien abductee or anything. No. I, we said some stuff last time. I had some people ask me. Really? So, yeah, so anyway, I no, I, I, I don't know what I think about that yet either. But anyway, <laughs> I do thoroughly <laughs> enjoy ancient alien theories and just about every book that i read or any show that i watch crystal skulls comes into that well that was just like you're talking about someone came up to you well i had someone come up to me and they were wanting to know if we would do a conspiracy show on about the moon because you know you got the dark side of the moon and then there's aliens involved with it and i was like well it's it's a topic well you know when we talk about this at the end of the show and i don't know what we have in our formatting but I'm ready next week. I mean, if you, if you want to get there. So, uh, <laughs> All right, we'll see. We'll see. Let's see where this one takes us. Because, like you said, I know your topics mostly around UFOs and aliens and stuff, that type of conspiracy, which I enjoy thoroughly about it. Because, like I said, I'd had a UFO encounter myself as a teenager, and I had a witness with me. We both witnessed the same thing. And then apparently you had a, a friend of yours that lived in the same area that I did, and he wanted to know what year that was. His parents lived out there, and they were just curious to know when it was. But when I talked to him and told them, they actually moved to the year after oh, your experience. Okay. So they, okay. they weren't there for that, for that time. Okay. So first, when you say Crystal Skulls, most people think of one thing. Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. Right. Crystal Skulls. Uh, one of the things that I will say, too, is I'm a big history buff. I'm real big into history, and I'm actually looking at changing one of my majors into into history, and I like the Aztec and Mayan, the uh, the pre-Columbian cultures and mm-hmm. things like that. So that's where I think most of the crystal skulls kind of fall into. You know, there's lots and lots of theories out there, and people talk about them and debate it and that stuff all the time. But I think the biggest thing that, you know, you can look at it from a history standpoint or from an alien standpoint or a hoax standpoint, but there's a mystery around the, the crystal skulls. Some believe that, you know, again, the Aztecs or the Mayans are the ones that did that, and then Nowadays, it's kind of an occult. With the the different skulls out there, because I wanted to be able to talk about this topic as well, because the only crystal skulls that I knew about was, like you said, Indiana Jones, and how it was actually 
based off of one of the skulls that I'm sure you're going to talk about, but not knowing much about the crystal skulls and then doing some research on it and finding out it does have a UFO twist, so I will go into that later on, but like I said, I, I want to hear what your take is on the crystal skulls, and I'll interject here and there. So what, what I thought I'd do is just kind of give you a brief synopsis of it, and then we'll kind of talk about maybe some of the individual skulls okay. and we can have a discussion yeah. on that. But, you know, one of the theories is, you know, it ties it to Atlantis. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm going to save that for a totally different show. Yeah, that is a totally different show because every topic we've gotten into has been somewhere around Atlantis. So right. Completely yeah. different show. <laughs> Not yet, but it's coming. You know, I think the skulls, whenever you look at them from a pre-Columbian standpoint, most of the skulls are small. They're shaped in a certain way. And then when you look back at pre-Columbian artwork, you know, the Aztec and the Mayan artwork and things like that, skulls have a different shape mm -hmm. than the typical crystal skulls that people find. Most of the crystal skulls, are they look like a regular human skull. Well, the pre-Columbian skulls are more clip artish. You know what I mean? They, yes. they, you know, they were shaped by someone with, with stone tools and sticks and, you know, leather and that kind of stuff. The skulls that I've researched, they're saying there's like 13 out there. Right. Well, that's one of the myths. It's one of the Atlantis stories, and mm -hmm. it links it back to the alien portion of mm -hmm. it. They talk about the 13 skulls, and when they come together, which is the, kind of the, what happened in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, yes. it's going to have a period of enlightenment or something like that. Well, the Mayan legends talks about whenever the 13 skulls come together, you're, there's going to be another period of enlightenment, but that will be the 2012 Doomsday Prophecy. That's how that was linked together. So I think we can kind of throw that one out the window just a little bit. Yeah, I was about to say yeah. 2012 Doomsday. <laughs> yeah, that, the 2012, when the Mayan calendar ended. Yeah, December that one? 21st, 2012. Yeah. So I don't look at it from that standpoint. Most of them are based off of Aztec and Mayan culture, but what science and academia says is that they're all modern reproductions. And here's where I'm going to take this. Okay. If we talk about UFOs, mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to branch off. So we talk about UFOs. I'm going to have a scientist or I'm going to have a skeptic that's going to come up and say these things aren't real because of X, Y, Z. Right. Well, that's kind of what's happened here. You have these skulls that people have looked at. They say they're, they're fake. And some of them have been proven, and I think with a reasonable amount of scientific scrutiny, have said this is a fake, this is a reproduction. Most of the times the crystal skulls started coming up in the 1800s. There was four major individual skulls that are out there. None of the skulls that we talk about today were found during documented yeah, exactly. archaeological digs. One of the guys that really kind of started it all was, was Eugene Vabon. And uh, you probably read about him a little yep. bit. He lived in the mid-19th century. Yeah, towards, towards the end of the 1800s there. Right. First, what I'm going to talk about is the British Museum skull. It first appeared in 1881. It was actually in Eugene Vabon's collection. He tried to sell it to Mexico's National Museum. Um, they thought it was Aztec, but he, he never really sold it there. Babone moved his business to New York where it was sold it to, um, I think his name was George Sisson. It was exhibited in a meeting of the American Association for Advancement of Science in New York City in 1887. And then it was finally sold at auction, bought by Tiffany & Company, who later sold it to the British Museum in 1897. Right. Now, it's real similar to the one I'm going to talk about last, which is the Mitchell Hedges Skull. Okay. But it doesn't have a movable lower jaw. The British Museum catalogs it as probably European 19th century and describes it as a non-authentic pre-Columbian artifact. It has been established that this skull was made with modern tools and that is not authentic. Now, that's where we go into talking about how the Aztecs or the Mayans, although they could have had a lapidary wheel, which a lapidary wheel is basically just a spinning abrasive yes. that polishes jewelry, things like that. But they say it's made with the modern lapidary wheel. Right, and... The thing that I find interesting about that one is the museum, up until 2008, said that it was authentic. And the reason they said it was authentic was because the Paris one that I know you're going to talk about, they had one. And they were saying it was authentic because London had one. So they both said that theirs was authentic because each prestigious museum had it. And we didn't have the tools until 2008 to find out if it was or not authentic. Right, and that was why we were basically using a, an intense microscope to look at it and right. to find out these tool marks and things, which I find to be really odd because... Well, the reason the London one came under scrutiny was because of another skull. The Mitchell Hedges skull. Mitchell Hedges skull, because the adopted daughter of the person that found it. Oh, Anna? Yeah, Anna. She had her story all lined up, and so they wanted to test all three of them. They put it under a microscope, and they found that it was more of a curved shaving, if you would, 
because if it was authentic, it would have been like a chipping like storm. chipped off. They would have been chipping it, and you would have seen the, the tool marks for then. And the reason it was so polished was because they used over the centuries. That's what I read. Over centuries, centuries. they would have used sand. sand and water to polish it. But they couldn't find any of the tool markings. That's why they said that both Paris and the one in London, why they now say is a fake. It, it's not an original thing. It's a fake. It was one that was made. It was in the 20s and 30s is when modern lapidary wheels actually yes. became with diamond and it wouldn't have became available until that point in time. Now, what I find odd is their previous conclusions was that it had to be polished for hundreds of years yes. to have gotten to that point. Yeah. And the thing that that's what I found odd about this was they're saying it's a fake because it's made with a modern lapidary wheel. Mm -hmm. But the skull was known to have been seen in 1881, which yes. the modern lapidary wheels. And again, and this is what I couldn't find was what their definition of a modern lapidary wheel was to know if they meant in the 1820s, 30s when, mm -hmm. when jewelers' lapidary wheels became standardized. Yeah. You know, when we look at other things, the Egyptians and things like that, you know, they've continued to surprise us with their technologies back then. So I don't know. When I talked about in the very beginning, they talk about how, it, you know, skeptics will always debunk or find a way to try to debunk. And then scientists, hardcore academia scientists will mm -hmm. come out and say, no, we're not going to change history. We're going right. to, there, there's a reason for this. The, um, the largest of the skulls actually uh, that had Babon had had was the Paris skull. And it was about four inches high. So when I look at that, it's bigger than what Mesoamerican pre-Columbian artifacts were. They were been about like one and a half, two inches tall. But it's closer in line than a normal human head type type skull. Right. They were from the research I I found. They were saying that that skull and the Mitchell Hedges one was more towards a woman's head. Right. Designed. So. And here's where I'll, I'll take this one. It says it's part of the collection at the uh, at French Museum, and it was studied by the Center for Research and Restoration of the Museums in France. After analysis carried out over three months, they concluded that it was certainly not pre-Columbian. It shows traces of polishing and abrasion by modern tools. Particle accelerator tests also revealed occluded traces of water that were dated to the 19th century. Yes. They seem to indicate that it was made in the late 19th century. Yes. Now, again, this test was done in 08. Yep. And I'm going to talk about... And it was done at the London, because they did all of them. They actually did four skulls they tested. Those two, they said, were not replicas, but weren't original, because what they were trying to say is that these four were ancient skulls. Right. And they couldn't... Those two could not have been ancient skulls, because they found the minerals in the water... And the polish that they used to, on wheels, the lapidated wheels that you're talking about, they found that type of clay or polish within the skull itself. So the other two, the Mitchell Hedges one, and the other one um, that I'm going to wait to see if you bring up, but go ahead. So anyway, that is where I'm going to take that one again. So they're saying that they found these normal polishing tools, marks, Everything that I could find in research that said modern lapidary wheels were brought out in the 20s and 30s. Mm -hmm. But they're saying here that this was dates back to the 19th century. Right. So that was my confusion on that a little bit. And I'll say that I, I really just couldn't find anything that where their standard of modern, what that definition was. And we'll take this somewhere in the end when I talk about lapidary wheels. And mm -hmm. the, another one that I wanted to discuss was the Smithsonian skull. Now, it was mailed anonymously right. in like 1992. It's the largest of the skulls. It's like 31 pounds and 15 inches high. And here's, here's that word I was looking for earlier, carborundum, which is a modern abrasive. Mm -hmm. Now, carborundum is one of those that really wasn't used as an abrasive for polishing until like, I think it was actually in the 50s or 60s. But now they've determined that this one is fake and it's actually at the National Museum of Natural History. Now, this one, because of its size, because of its shape, and if any of you guys are out there, you can actually go Google pictures of these, and it'll show it to you. It, to me, is probably the one that is likeliest to be fake, if they're fake, just because this study said that it was made with a material, and they can date it mm -hmm. in the 60s, 
And then also with during that time frame, there was like a serious all over the world, the occult, if you want to call it, the skulls kind of came out in that type. There was lots of art that had the, the skulls and mm-hmm. things like that. So to me, there's enough evidence there to say it could possibly be a fate from that time period. You've got the science saying that it was used as this material that came out at this time. And also at the time, the art and everything indicated that it was kind of of that deal. Okay. So I'll leave that one there. Now, here's the one to me that has the highest and you're looking at me like I'm crazy, no, I'm, and I no, think no, I know I'm, where you're. Okay. I think I know where you're going to go later. All right. Okay. This is the one to me that brings up the highest amount of folklore legend, if you will, which is the Mitchell Hedges skull. Yes. Now, um, Mitchell Hedges was a, an adventurer discover, kind of like Indiana Jones, but right. he was not a archaeologist. Right. When this skull was first found, he would not disclose where it was found for years and years and years. It, he wouldn't dis- actually until he died. He never disclosed exactly. where the skull was found. It was later on that his in, it's his uh, daughter adopted daughter adopted from daughter. Canada. Her name was Anna. She said that it was when she was seventeen. Her seventeenth birthday. It was nineteen twenty four. They were on an archaeological dig, and when they were looking in these ruins, she was looking down through a hole, and she could see this light kind of flashing up at her. Right. So she had somebody lower her down in, into this hole, and she is able to pull up this skull. Now, she also said there were some other things down there that she couldn't retrieve and things like that. And later on, that uh, people went looking for this and couldn't find any proof of it. Now, what's odd about this one is a lot of researchers say that it's nearly the same as the British skull. I mean, it's, it's real close into it, but it has more detailed eyes, yes, uh, teeth, and, and the jaw. A, this was found in, like I think, British Honduras. What's odd about this is people that were present at the time of the excavation with Mitchell Hedges said that the skull was not found, nor Anna was not present at this dig. None of the skulls were found during archaeologist digs because... because and, that, and that's where I wanted to take this, is that academia says they're not authentic because they weren't found on, an, on a dig. Right. So they can't prove it wasn't, and this is that. Now they're coming and saying that they were made with modern lapidary wheels. Mm-hmm. But again, my, my whole thing is is that none of the stuff that I saw gives it a date to what modern lapidary wheels are talking about. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I, you Completely. Know, if I knew it was with a diamond, then I would know for a fact it was in the 50s or the 40s, whatever, that it was made with that lapidary wheel was. And we would say, hey, well, this skull was obviously found before then, so it couldn't have been with that. They just said it was used making modern materials and that sort of stuff. Now, there's been documentaries on it. There's been all kind of stuff. What about the foremost expert on this, Crystal Skulls? Well, do you want to talk about that, or do you want to take a quick commercial break? How about we take a quick commercial break, and then we'll talk about that. You're listening to Military Paranormal Investigations Radio, NPIR. captured something in a photo you cannot explain. Were you filming with your video camera and unsuspectingly filmed an unwanted guest? Do you have an audio clip of someone talking to you that you did not hear in person? Are you an amateur and paranormal investigator lacking advanced equipment to do a thorough examination of your footage? Are you a paranormal research team looking for a second opinion to help in verifying your finds to your clients? MPI's knowledgeable team of paranormal investigators can utilize their state-of-the-art equipment and software programs to analyze your potential evidence in digital photographs, video footage, or audio clips. MPI will quickly and accurately analyze, verify, and document the findings and provide you with our explanation. You need not worry. Your files will remain confidential unless you wish to share your potential findings on our website. To submit your footage, send us an email with your attached file to contact.us at militaryparanormal.com. You can also submit your files through our form at militaryparanormal.com backslash form. We would love to see what you may have captured. Right now. Don't be a stranger. 
are listening to the podcast of MPIR, Military Paranormal Investigations Radio. And welcome back to Military Paranormal Investigations Radio. My name is Rob. And my name is Mike. And I just wanted to make sure that you know, again, we're not affiliated to any branch of the military. And be sure to check us out on www.militaryparanormal.com. This is kind of like the third half of the show that we started from last week. And we talked about the Bermuda Triangle. And Jeff brought in sleep paralysis. And now we're talking about crystal skulls and some of the history on them. Right before the break, you were going to say something, but I wanted to say just a couple of a couple more things about this Mr. Mitchell Hedges skull real quick. We okay. got this skull now. We talked about the one was like four inches tall. This one is like five inches high, seven inches long, and five inches wide. The lower jaw is detached, but it actually fits and moves like a you know a regular skull would. In the seventies, it came under the care of a uh, freelance art restorer named Frank Dorland. He looked at it and everything and said it had been carved with total disregard to the natural crystal axe, meaning that, you know, crystal is put together and it's got, it's kind of like wood. It's got, you know, the veins and right. in the way it runs. He says it had been carved without regard to that and without the use of metal tools. He said he couldn't find any scratch marks except for traces of mechanical grinding on the teeth, but he speculated that it was first chiseled into rough form, probably using diamonds, and the finer shaping, grinding, and polishing was achieved throughout the use of sand over a period of 150 to 300 years. Mm-hmm. We talked about that a little while ago. He said it could be up to 12,000 years old. It's supposed to maintain a constant temperature of like 70 degrees. There's no difference in the properties of it and normal crystal. Even the jaw and everything was made from one piece of crystal quartz. Now, Dolan said that it had like some mechanical grindings on the teeth. Well, there was another uh, Mayanist archaeologist. His name was Norman Hammond. He reported that the holes that kind of run through it show signs of being made by drilling with metal. And after that, Anna Mitchell had this. She didn't let anybody else look at it for further scientific testing. Now, the earliest published reference to the skull was in a July 1936 issue of the British anthropological journal Man. Then it was in the possession of Sidney Burney, a London art dealer. He said he owned it since 1933. No mention was made of Mitchell Hedges. There's a documentary out there that says that Mitchell Hedges bought it from Burney in 1944, which I find odd. Now, which skull are we talking about, the Mitchell Hedges? This is still the Mitchell Hedges skull. So you're saying that this man had it prior to Mitchell Hedges having it? Yes, because Anna said she found it in 1924. Right, 1924. Now... I know for two and a half years, it stayed with the city of Mexico in their museum. Right. And then she wanted to take it out of the country for testing, so she had to apply for a grant to move it out. That would have been 1927 is when she would have got it out of Mexico. And she was, I believe, a teenager when When, she found the skull. From what they're saying, it was her 17th birthday, uh, January 1st of 1924. But this guy is saying that the first reference, though, was in 1936. That was the first picture taken was in 1936 in the Book of Man because it was actually going on auction. He was trying to sell it, and it wasn't sold because, well, I take that back. It was sold to Mitchell Hedges. Now, the story that Anna said that the reason he had to purchase it is because her father owed man money and he gave the skull as collateral. So he was just purchasing it back before it was sold to someone else. But see, that's only from Anna's words. Yes. So that's where a lot of the, uh, when I talked about earlier, how the skeptics will be skeptics, how they pick up on things. I mean, I can't say that that happened or didn't happen, but that's where I'm going with this. Mitchell Hedges actually mentioned it briefly for the first time in his own autobiography, Danger My Ally. It was in 1954. But again, he didn't talk about where it was found or when. And he claimed that it was 3,600 years old. And according to legend, it was used by the high priest of the Maya for right. performing rites. Mm-hmm. When he will death with the help of the skull, death invariably follows. And it's also referred to as the skull of doom because of that. The thing that I find odd about that, in 1970, Anna... This is when she started bringing it out right. into the public because Mitchell Hedges died in 1959 and still nothing was mentioned until... The 1960s, 1970s, but this is where I think you're going with this. But she toured with the skull from 1967, and she exhibited on a pay-per-view basis. And that's when I think the expert that I was going to talk about before the commercial break, that's where he comes into the picture. Okay, what was his name? His name was a Nick Norciano, 
N-O-C-E-R-I-N-O. So he's the guy that looked at like all the skulls, right? Yeah, he is the only human to have touched nine skulls altogether that were supposedly ancient skulls. Even though he passed in 2004, up until that time, he started to emerge in the mid-1980s as the leading authority on the subject. His explorations were credited with unraveling many of the mysteries surrounding the crystal skulls. That's why we're talking about the crystal skulls, because there's so many mysteries around and paranormal things that are going on with it. The way that he describes these skulls as being a computer. Right. You know, quartz crystal now are used in watches and things exactly. like that. Well, quartz crystal has been used... And that's where I think that the Indiana Jones kind of was trying to take that, as it had stored all of these... these Events and people and memories. and Nick first came in contact with crystal skulls during World War II when he encountered a crystal skull in England. That's the one at the museum that we were talking about. And two in France. One which had been at the Templar skull, hidden by a secret organization. And that's a whole other yeah. story as well with the Templars, but a whole other story on that one. Anyways, in 1955, Nick Soriana founded the Society of Crystal Skulls International even though they're no longer around because he passed away. In association with a number of research members, the Society initiated identifying, categorizing, and documenting and record-keeping of the crystal skulls worldwide. He led over 33 research teams that included engineers, doctors, anthropologists, and computer scientists to investigate the crystal skulls in cities across the United States. He believed that crystal skulls were intricate computers, that they can be activated by using color and sound or even touch. Now, what's odd about that is this Mitchell Hedges skull is said to capture light from the rear of it and make it come out the eyes of the skull. So you can, wherever you set it at, this skull is supposed to potentially now, like focus I said, the energy. Yeah, like I said, he is supposed to be the leading expert on this one, and I'm, I'm going to put quotes in that one be okay. because the Mitchell Hedges skull was the most perfectly developed. Right human-sized skull, because you were talking about the detachable jaw and everything, and I came across a radio broadcast on KABC out of Los Angeles called Open Mind with a Bill Jenkins. This is at the height of the 1980s. Everyone was fascinated with crystal skulls because of the energy and the healing powers it could do, and he gave an interview, and I only listened to about a good 46 minutes of this interview, and some of the things that this man was talking about, I just had to sit back and, and say, okay, like I said, this was in the 1980s. They did not discover that this skull was a, I guess you could say, not a fraud, but they said that it was made just like the Paris and the other one. Right, a modern with modern tools. Modern tools. He is claiming that through the touch, he found that the crystal skulls show UFO activities and images of societies within the earth and the oceans. See, I find that odd because, you know, Anna says that the skull has healing properties. Mm -hmm. Well, so does he. He claims that it has healing properties. Plus, he described when he got the Mitchell Hedges, when Anna allowed him to go ahead and look at it and put like a purple light onto it, and then he looked at the top of the skull and it was like a moving picture. It went back and told the history of the skulls to where there was 13 skulls made by beings not of this planet to communicate the knowledge of the ages, and they gave it to the people of Atlantis. He said he feels that this skull is over 25,000 to a quarter of a million years old. He said that the other skulls, when they come in close proximity, they start to take the energy off of one another and use that to bring the knowledge together. He said that basically these skulls, like you were saying, was a computer. And as you looked into the eyes of the skull, it would take your memory and record the memories that you had, which is how it would record time. It would take all the memories so from... everybody that's looked into it is what's stored into that yes, skull. Yes, that, that's what they're saying, how, how this computer worked. He said it just absorbs the memories to record like a mental computer. The thing that I found that was pretty interesting is that he said when he was nine years old... He had a boyhood, I guess you could say, premonition of what he would see with the skulls. And he used to do what's called mirror readings, where he would see stuff into the future in the mirror. So he was kind of like a median, if you would. But he claimed to be the so-called expert in Mitchell Hedges' one, 
he said it shows alien races, and they also showed that there was a race under the ocean now, which must be Atlantis, and that there was a giant sun with planets out there to where these 13 skulls were made and brought to and given to people under the ocean. And then they showed you that there was volcanic eruptions, and then this the continent started drifting, and he could see all this in that skull, in the Mitzel Hedges skull. So this is where the whole paranormal thing comes into right into play and the UFOs and the aliens and the conspiracy theories. And I, I just find it odd that a leading expert is all of a sudden a medium because everything that I read didn't say anything about him being a medium. It wasn't until I listened to the radio show to where he was talking about all these things and what the skull actually did when he managed to get it. Because he said he had it for a full weekend. Three days, 24 hours a day, he locked himself in this room with this skull, and these were all the events that took place in in there, doing all the studies and everything. And I just found that pretty bizarre. Yeah. That's kind of where I think the, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls was taking that. Yeah, that's, it's extremely odd. I really believe that. Now, what's odd about that is that's kind of the same story that supposedly was told about what the Mayans had mm-hmm. passed along as well, too. So it's hard for me to determine what I think about, you know, was that something he was throwing together to try to embellish it later? Was this something he was really having as a premonition? Kind of where that was going. From the radio interview, he was saying that the skull showed him that these beings not of this planet, brought down these 13 skulls. They gave them to the most advanced civilization on this planet, the Atlantinians. Atlantinians divvied them up. Some went to Mexico for the Mayans, the Aztecs. Some went to the Egyptians. They just spread them out all over the world, and they said at 2012, all 13 were supposed to come back together because the Mayans made the calendar. And it wasn't supposed to be a doomsday. It was supposed to be... Word of enlightenment is the exactly. way I Exactly. Enlightenment. It was supposed to bring the knowledge of the universe together. And those beings that brought the 13 were supposed to come back. That didn't happen. Right. <laughs> and believe it or not, there is a skull here in Texas known as the Texas skull. I don't know if your research found Max. Yes. Okay. I wasn't going to talk. I mean, go ahead and let's talk about it. I I had only put the four in my topics tonight, but well, Max was rediscovered, and they claim that Max can heal a lot of people. Max is being shown around. How they found Max is by this nice lady. I believe her name is Joanne. I think it's Joanne Parker. She lives in Houston, and she's been showing Max for oh probably a good twenty years now. And how she came about, Max, was her daughter, I think 12 years old, was diagnosed with bone cancer. And the doctors only gave her like three months to live. Her family doctor told her about this this healer. And back then, this was in the early 1970s. And there is a Tibetan monk that uh, his real name was Michael Alexander. But he was been backed by so many famous people around that time as being able to heal cancer, being able to healed people that were walking with a limp. He was a miracle worker, if you would. And the family doctor said, go and look into this guy. So she did. She went with an open mind. And they used the crystal skull that he had and his teachings. And they say that instead of three months, she lived for three and a half more years. So Joanne started working and volunteering at this healing center and became really good friends with them. She's seen what she says is a lot of miracles being healed from this crystal skull. Before the, the monk died, he gave it to her and told her one day she will know what he's used for. Well, at this time, she was also going through a depression because her daughter just died. She said she went through five years of depression, and she had this skull in a box in the closet. And she said the skull started talking to her said that he is actually from another planet with a blue star, and his name is actually Max. She thought that she was going a little nuts and everything. Yeah. So she just pushed him off to the side, okay? 
and at one point the skull told her that she needed to turn on the TV. Well, you know, she thinks she's going nuts. So she turns on the TV. And lo and behold, it's Nick out there, and he's talking about the other crystal skulls. She's watching this television show, and she's like, i got to call the television station. So she calls the television station Why he's there, and she starts describing the skull, and he's like, I've been looking for that skull for a very long time. So they get together, and he does his test on her skull, and find it to be one of the ancients, another lost relic of the ancient ones. Now, does it say what size it was? The same size. That's what I thought I had read. It was like very similar in size yeah, and shape. Yeah, very similar in size and shape of to the Mitchell, Mitchell Hedges. Hedges. Exactly, of the Mitchell Hedges one. So she takes Max to them, and they said as soon as they got the Mitchell Hedges one and Max together, they started doing that whole energy glow thing, whatever. Yes, it's crystallized. Okay, it, It's quartz crystal, and... It's supposed to retain energy, which is why we use the crystals in our computers. HP actually did a test on the Mitchell Hedges yep, one. Yep, the Mitchell Hedges. Well, they never released anything that they've ever... Well, I actually found a video of them doing the test, and them putting it in this liquid, and if it's solid quartz, it's supposed to be turned invisible in this liquid, and it did. So HP was like, yeah, this is a genuine But crystal. yeah, they, they never showed any other results, too. Exactly. Anything else that they found. But when most people don't know, she actually allowed in 2008 Mitchell Hedges, Max, the London, and the Periscals were all together doing this. The London one was said to be made with modern tools. The Paris one, modern tools. But no comment on the Mitchell Hedges one or Max. So were they made with modern tools or why all of a sudden there's no comment? Now, after Anna died, she gave the Mitchell Hedges one to someone else. She was married to Bill Haman. She was married to him? Yep, she married him in, uh, I think, 2007, and then this guy's owned it ever since. Yes. He still believes in all its mystical properties. Yes, he does, because he said he's seen this stuff, and he also took it back to someone else to test it, and they were saying that it had the same polished markings as the one in Paris and London. Let me tell you this, hold your train of thought, because what she did is she took it to an anthropologist, Jane McLaurin Walsh, in the Smithsonian's National Museum of Natural History. Now, what she did is she looked at it with ultraviolet light, she took silicone molds, and that's where she determined that it was made. Now, I don't know if you want to finish your story, but she took the silicone molds for, um, of surface tool marks for scanning electron microscope. And it revealed that they had been worked with a high-speed, hard rotary tool coated with a hard abrasive such as diamond. Mm -hmm. Now, I do know that the diamond lapidary wheel was the one that didn't come out to like in the 40s, right. the, you know, 30, 40s time frame. That's when it was, and I had the guy's name and the date on it. And she, what she says is, well, so it couldn't be ancient because it was made with modern tools. According to the mold, it was made with modern tools. Exactly. and Because and it was so fine, a rounded edge, almost right. like, like you said, like diamond. And then the, the pre-Columbian tools would have been like copper or abrasive sands or pulverized stones that we would have used to chip away at it. So that's what she's saying is it's too smooth based off of these mold sets. But none of the skulls, if they're saying that Mayans created these, they're not saying that the Mayans created that's these. The, that's what my whole... They're not saying the Mayans created them. Right. They're, the scientists that are doing these tests on them are saying that if the Mayans and the Aztecs created these, that there would be chipping tool marks on there. And there's not. They're fine. They're polished. They're smooth. They're round. See, and that's the ultimate outcome of where I wanted to go with this discussion. I was trying to, and I felt like I was kind of boring in the beginning because everybody keeps debunking that the Mayans and the Aztecs made these deals. Yes. I agree. I do too. They didn't have the tools. To no, they didn't. So were they created in the 1920s and 30s and 40s? But they couldn't have been because the late 1800s they had them. Exactly. So where did we get these from? We still don't know. They had to have been created before then because we have pictures of them. Right. I mean, we know that Babon yes. had the one of the skulls in 1881. Exactly. The one that I just brought up, Max was actually in the Philippines, is where that came from. So where's 
the Philippines compared to Mexico City, it's right. It's see, and that's my whole fascination with the ancient alien theory. Okay, is because I'll take gold for just a minute. How did the Mayans, the Egyptians, the Sumerians? Mm -hmm. I mean, all around the country or the world, thousands of miles apart. No way to travel between it. No known communication whatsoever. Mm -hmm. All pick up a piece of gold out of the ground and to worship it to give to the gods. So now we have the skulls. Yes. Two continents apart. Made similar size, similar shape. Mm -hmm. Now, my whole thought process on this is I don't buy the Paris one. I think it's a fake. Okay. I mean, it's been shown to have been made with carborundum. I know where you're going. Okay. It's of the wrong shape. Yes. It it actually looks very similar to a pre-Columbian skull. Mm -hmm. So if someone who is fascinated with the art that mimics the pre-Columbian artwork in the 60s, bringing up this whole mysterious skulls and things and this stuff, to me, it's the one I think is probably a real fake. It was made mimicking it. That's why it looks similar to that. It's large in size because that would have given it, you know, they could pass it around. So that one you don't believe is an ancient at all? I don't. Okay. I don't know, honestly, where I stand. But on. the one from Paris was also in the early 1800s. So... No, no, not not that one. You're talking about the Smithsonian. The Smithsonian one. I'm sorry. Yes, the okay. Smithsonian one. The one that, yes, I do believe the Smithsonian one is fake. Is fake. Is fake. I totally agree on that one because of how it was made and the size of the it. The size the of what it. What it looks like. I mean, it. you know, it again, it looks like the artwork. I'm sorry. That was the Smithsonian one. And when they did the test on it, found a trace of minerals from the water used. Right. They were actually able to find out exactly where that quartz was made from. Madagascar. So you have the quartz being mined in Madagascar and made there. And if you go down anywhere in Mexico City, around the mines, there's people out there in the streets right now making crystal skulls. Mm -hmm. So the technology was there. Anyone with a wheel and has the know-how, they can make a crystal a, an skull. Art, yeah, an artist with a tool could make yes, the skull. exactly. So I wholeheartedly believe the Smithsonian one, complete fake. I fully believe, and I did read on, on Max. I didn't know where to put that one yet, so I only included the four that are commonly known. But my thought process on them is I believe, personally, I don't know where I stand on the on the Paris and the British one, mm -hmm. but I believe that the Mitchell Hedges skull and, and Max skull are potentially ancient skulls. I didn't say UFOs made them yet. Not once did I say that either. Although I, that's where my curiosity tends to lead me. I do believe that they were authentically found, like they said they were. I believe they were authentically found, too. I'd lean more... <laughs> I don't want to go with the UFO one, even though Max is claiming through Anna that he is from another planet, right? brought by other beings, given to people with advanced technology on this planet. There was only one civilization in legend that had the type of advanced civilization that we're talking about, and that would be Atlantis, the Lost City. If they were so technologically advanced as the legends claim, would they not have ways to shape with laser precision curves? Or let's just go to, okay, it was made with a diamond wheel. Okay, Before sure. diamond wheels were made now. Yeah, why not? Why couldn't exactly they have... A diamond wheel. I mean, why, why couldn't it? We made it at some point in time. Do I think it's part of the legends out there to where they're ancients millions and millions of years ago? I'm still out there, but I mean, everything has some sort of legend, some sort of truth, some sort of conspiracy. You're always going to have the doubters out there, the skeptics like me. I'm, I, I don't know. But if you follow the clues and look what everyone is writing down, the timelines, they don't match. They really don't. Yeah. But, you know, the last thing is Haman, he has the skull now. But what he did is he let National Geographic take that skull. And this forensic artist, Gloria Noose, mm -hmm. she built a facial reconstruction of it. And it result, the resulting face had female and European characteristics. So, therefore, it could not have been created by ancient True. Americans. Why? I don't know. I mean, okay. Like I said, everything... Again, did I say that it was created by... I just... 
I have a hard time with that one. I, I, I have a hard time with that one as well. And there's another crystal skull out there that's the Shah Rana that was named after a shaman. Where are the shaman from? India. Exactly. So now you have another crystal skull on the other side. Well, see, and then now I'm really getting into ancient alien theories because mm-hmm. India was another one of the places that had the gold. Yes. But the uh, the Mahabharatan, this is like the Indian Bible that talks about everything that's happened, fully describes encounters with ancient aliens. Okay. Now, the different skulls, if you look, what is the skulls been used for over time? Are you talking about the healing properties? I am talking about the healing properties because if you look in time, and you were talking about how, what, 1870-something was the, when they first talked about the skulls. Yeah, that's the first document it was in Babon's, in his shop in 1881. Okay. If you look at ancient times, Mary Magdalene, what was down in front of her? So you're getting deep. I am getting deep. <laughs> and, and I don't want to sidetrack you from your thought, but they, you know, that's what the thought is, is that they have these healing powers and everything. But they also said it can, that they can take life just as easy. Because they're called, I know the one from Paris and London were called the Masks of Death. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it can give like and take like. But if we're talking about how far back they went, skulls have been around. Well, see, and I was trying to find, and I could not find it for this because, and I've looked everywhere. There's actually, I believe, like a hieroglyph in Egypt that's showing someone holding a skull, which was it a crystal skull? Even you can't tell from you that. You can't tell. But anyway, and I couldn't find where that was at. To, that's what I wanted to bring because that's where I was going with the whole. Uh, crossing continents thing too so yeah but if you look we're crossing continents we have different skulls to look at like again they're all doing the same healing power if you would and then you have different people that claim to be using these like the shaman was using the sharana max was used with the tibetan monks here in the states as well the mayans used it as healing is used it as prophecy you have this pattern of the skulls. And, and that's what, when I wanted to talk about this, that's why I wanted to bring this topic up is because everybody is sitting here saying, well, they're not authentic because they weren't made by this. Yeah. And that's where they kind of leave it. But again, as paranormal investigators, when we talk about the many creating the proof or the, the other path to follow, you know, that's what I see in them. You have different continents. You have the same stories being mm-hmm. told about what they're for, similar size, similar shape. So now I start having enough pieces of the puzzle that I don't think you can just say they're fakes. That's my whole that my whole take on it. As a paranormal investigator, I have to ask the question, why? Why do you have them in different continents? Why do all of them have these healing properties? Why is everyone saying that you got to have these man-made tools back then? Well, why? What what's your proof to say okay that these It's the and I find it odd is the same scientist the academia scientists will say the Egyptians built a pyramid rolling stones on logs that weighed the size, the much as a building mm-hmm. up 300 feet into the air with non-modern tools, but nobody could make a skull unless they had this modern tool. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I just find that, to me, the hypocrisy in it all is kind of... I find it the same. I, I really do. I I'm glad that you brought this subject up because it made me look into this. And now as a paranormal investigator, I'm like, why? We'll see, and as we go along, I've got a couple of, and I know most people associate us with, with ghosts and things like that. I, I'm really an ancient alien guy. Oh, I know I, you are. I'm, I I hope to, as I bring more topics, that I'll convert y'all as well. well I don't know if you'll actually convert <laughs> me out there, but I, I'm to the point to where it's like, okay, what else can I... And oh boy, you're going to the ancient alien topics and everything. And that expert that I told you about, Nick, Uh another thing, and I wasn't going to bring this up, but you went there, so I'm going to bring this up. Another thing he said in these three and a half days that he had the Mitchell skull, we said that it reacts to light and sound. When he played a certain sound to it, certain frequencies, certain frequencies, it started to mimic dolphin sounds, whale sounds. The whale sounds, yes. And I'm thinking, okay, now, there was another movie that was created out there that had to go and get humpback whales. Yeah, Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek. <laughs> they had to go get the humpback whales, and only the whale songs 
could communicate with the UFOs. Right, to let them know that we were okay. When he did this test with the Mitchell Skulls, that was way before that theory. So was that movie made off of this type of theory? I don't know. Everything is leading around towards UFOs and aliens and sounds, and dolphins are supposed to be one of the smartest creatures out there. Right. Next to human, and they communicate with sound. Whales. Right. So once again... You have these well, skulls. And then close encounters of the third kind. Sound. Exactly. So are you confident enough to tell me what you think, what direction you think it's going in? I'm not leaning towards an alien thing. I'm not at all. I can tell you that right now. Would I lean to an advanced civilization making these? I would tend to lead towards that. <laughs> See, I'm glad you said that because I'll need to bring up my topic on the Advanced civilization, ancient alien connection. Sometimes. We'll see that. There you go with the ancient <laughs> alien again. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and my whole thought is, again, we said that a couple times, but I think that there are fakes. What makes me wonder is, is if, if an ancient, if an alien race, say, brought thirteen skulls. Okay. Would they be similar? Well, yeah, they would be. I similar. mean, wouldn't you think? I mean, I don't, I don't think that you could expect them to be mirror images of each other. I mean, if they were handmade, then they would have been different in any aspect. Mm-hmm. But some of the skulls are just way different Yes. than the others. Yes. The thing that intrigues me about the Mitchell Hedges, if it is authentically old and not modern, mm-hmm. it's very similar to a real Humans. human skull. Yes. In, in proportion and, you know, the jaw moving and that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, where a lot of the other ones are to me, could have been an ancient civilization that made them with some way that they don't know that they made them with what tools. You know what I mean? Look at all the digs that we're going to. Okay, I was stationed in Turkey. They still use a Roman bridge. A Roman bridge. Still to this day they use it. Mm-hmm. How old is that? Yeah. And so they had some sort of technology to make something that still... I, I don't think they give us as humans credit for yes. how smart we are even before technology yes. and how innovative we are. But then I look at, again, now I look at the the ones like the Hedges School that's very accurate. It's against the grain. Mean, there's, there's many ways that you could debunk that they, they wouldn't have had the, the technology that they legitimately needed to make that happen. So right. I think that there are some out there that push me into the realm it uh, still pushes you that way. See, I'm I'm still pushed towards an advanced civilization we'll see, here on Earth. We'll see, and, and here's here you go, Rob, because I don't know where I stand, and I say that a lot because I mean this is all theory to me. Everything too. is theory, but one of the big ancient alien theories is it's us. It's not an it's not from planet Nibiru. It's, it's actually us. us from the future. Yes. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, or we advanced to that point in time and then something happened and we left and then we, we were advanced. If, if we got as smart as we are now, why couldn't another race of humans done it and then something was going on and left or what have you and now... I see, now you're talking about a whole other conspiracy, men in black. Yes. So, yeah. Throughout the time, pictures, photos of yes. them. So, yeah. There's lots of areas you could go, but I, I just feel like there's more to the Mitchell Hedges school. And when I sit down and I look at all the ways that the mainstream scientific academia areas try to purposely debunk things, and this is my conspiracy theorism coming out, um, I look at all the ways they try to purposely debunk things, I just feel like there's really more to the Mitchell Hedges school. You have all these people, multiple people that say, well, that's not true because this happened. But they all contradict each other, too. Yes, they do. Every single story contradicts one another. So, yeah, that's why I feel like that there's that. And I want to find out more about this, Max. It hasn't been well uh, documented to me enough that... It, it's funny you say that because I'm actually in the process of typing up an email to send Anna to see if we can interview not her. Anna, what's her name? Uh, Anna Parker. Oh, was, I thought... No, no, no. Hold on. Uh, Joanne. Joanne, yeah. Yeah. I'm actually in the process of sending an email to Joanne because she goes around, um, like I said, for the past 20 years and... Sorry, we got quiet. There was just a mouse that just ran you by. You just saw it too? I heard it. 
<laughs> it's just like, <laughs> that would be great. I mean, if we could get, you know, maybe we'll get a response back or maybe we would. Because I would love to be able to interview her about Max. I would love to touch it just once. To see if it triggers anything? Yes. Well, she actually, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Max is going to be on the outskirts of Dallas April 3rd and 4th, if I'm not mistaken, to where you can go and interact with Max. Yeah. We need to do somewhere. <laughs> All righty. Did we miss anything? I don't think we missed anything on Max. Uh, to me, I just felt like I was getting off a little boring there. I, I wanted to kind of cover all of the... You were trying to do the history? Yeah, the, the, kind of the... I think the first... Why people are saying it's not real. Well, I wanted to link it back to... They're all saying that we couldn't do this, that ancient Americans or ancient humans could not have made this. Right. And my whole take is, is okay, I'll buy that. Hmm? Because I think it could go somewhere else. And I agree with you. Maybe it was an ancient advanced civilization. I can still tie that to ancient aliens somehow. Yeah, I'm sure I you mean, could. It, it falls in the same realm, if you will. I mean, the ancient civilization, uh -huh. you know, the ancient technologies, right. and things, those sorts of things. Because I feel like you're probably headed towards Atlantis. Mm. Because you've said that a couple of times. But but, I did, yeah. So. And I don't know what your real thoughts are on Atlantis. Oh, but like I said, that's a whole other show. Sometimes, that's so. a whole other show. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Yeah. Well, with, we won't go there. Yeah. So, in closing, how about we, you know, talk about something that we're going to maybe talk about next week? Uh, that sounds good. I, what, what do you, I, I know you're grinning at me, but well, do you want to go there? I, I don't know if I want to go there just yet. I want to save that one for kind of later, but maybe another different type of conspiracy that uh, was brought up earlier, like maybe it's the dark side of the moon or... Well, that's where, I, that's where I thought you were going, yeah. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, I, I thought you wanted me to go to Atlantis already. We, we, need to, uh, we need to get this on video, too, so we can show pictures, because I need that for the dark side of the moon. But that's okay. We can put pictures on our YouTube stuff. So. Yeah, we can put pictures on YouTube. So, you want to do a discussion on the dark side of the moon? Dark and some, side of the moon. Some of the conspiracies out there about it and why people think or why they say we only see the one side. We never see the dark side. Um, yeah, I, I think we could do that one. So this is going to wrap up for our three different paranormal topics. The Bermuda Triangle, which I pretty much came to the conclusion of it's just, you know, human error. That damn mouse just ran past me again. <laughs> The, uh, and then Jeff talked about sleep paralysis, which uh, I think we all learned a little something about. I know I did. On that. So, yeah. And then, then you and I, you know, you brought in this whole crystal skulls and interesting, a good discussion. Where I think. Gonna take it, so. uh, I think a little bit of the history with it, uh, how the crystal skulls came about and who had them, and then some of the theories that are out there about the crystal skulls and can they actually see the past or can they actually see the future um, or can you see the past or can you see the past does it actually take your memories and I don't know like they say a big computer put it on a hard drive does it interact with sound they say it does um, they say that you can take the energy I know Max right now uh, charges a lot of skulls energy wise and it helps people all around with their own little miniature skull so uh, I don't know. Like, like I said, I would love to be able to interview this. I want to touch it. Joanne. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. You go ahead and touch the skull. Tell me what it does for you. But. I think that'll close it up then. All right. So we want to thank you for listening to our various paranormal topics. I wish Jeff could have been here with us because yeah, I, I think he would have had a lot of fun with this one. It wouldn't just be me and you trying to figure out what this thing was he would throw in his uh real skepticism about go. it so maybe next week when we get on here and like we said always contact us if you have any comments or thoughts about something you'd like to hear on the show or even if you want to be a guest go ahead and contact us and i think i've got know. one person ready to tell their personal paranormal experience if you're interested in that make sure you shoot us an email at radio show at militaryparanormal.com all right and with that done thanks for listening and y'all have a good night <laughs>